Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish Steed. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the At Work in America show. We have a great show for you today. It's an annual show. I'm excited for it. It's our year-end prep and review and prepare for the new year. Uh, our friend Tom Hammond's waiting in the wings to come and join us and talk about that, Trish. Good to see you. This is probably one of the highlights of our, our podcast year, I'd say. It is. It's good to see you as well. And you're right. And this is the episode every year where I think, wow, I wish I could go back and be an HR professional because of all of the things that we're going to learn about and how to do them effectively and the things we don't know about and how to get ready for the, the coming year. So it's an exciting show. Yeah. And this is really an important time of year for HR people, payroll people, benefits people, really everybody in the human capital business, right? We are, we're off Thanksgiving. We're heading into the end of your holidays, but we've got a lot to do, a lot to think about. There's always a lot of changes, legislative updates, uh, just best practices, good things to remind folks that they want to do as they work with their employees through the end of the year. So, uh, Let's welcome Tom. Let me give let me read Tom's bio and welcome in officially. There's been an update, an exciting update to Tom's bio. Tom Hammond from Paychex is here to help us talk about how to plan for year end and what is needed in the coming year. Tom has just assumed assumed the role of Vice President of Strategy, Partnerships, and Business Development uh, in December of this year. With more than 30 years of experience at Paychex, Tom leads an organization that develops strong, intuitive, and relevant human capital management solutions for America's small and mid-sized businesses. Tom also shapes and directs the execution and acceleration of the company's strategic partnerships, business development, and future growth platforms, and is responsible for overseeing the payments ecosystem, including advanced partners and Alterna Capital Solutions. Tom, that's a big mouthful of things you're doing at Paychex. <laughs> Welcome yes, back to the show. It's great to see you. Great to see you, Steve and Trish. Great to be with you always. This, this is my favorite uh, show of the year for sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and congratulations great. on the new responsibilities. I mean, that's it's also on 30 years. That is a, an accomplishment alone in this day and age, right? So congratulations on both. Thank you for that. It's, a, it's an honor to be have been able to uh, work here at Paychex and to support and build our brand over those 30 years. Um, I'm honored to, to be one of 16,000 employees that work hard every day to try to drive small and medium-sized businesses and let them achieve their goals. Yeah, and then we know, we know it's 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 cliche, but it's true. Small and medium sized businesses. That's the American backbone of the American economy, right? Exactly Trish, right. you and I, we're part of a small business Absolutely. ourselves, right? And we live it every day. And uh, so it's awesome to have Tom and Paychex with us along the way at the Outwork in America show. I mean, I I don't want to put a number out there, Tom. It, it was literally hundreds of thousands of small and mid sized businesses you guys support every year and. It's an awesome yes, responsibility, but it's a great thing too. So thank you both. Yeah. Yeah. So Steve, Tom, before talk. we dive in, I would love to just ask Tom. I mean, you've been there a long time. What what role did you start in when you joined Paychex? What was sort of that catalyst? I don't think we've ever asked yeah. you before. Yeah. 
I graduated from uh, college in early May of 1990, and I joined Paychex on July 2nd of 1990 in our payroll operations organization. And I was actually a payroll specialist. Uh, my nice. first job at the company was actually taking payroll for about 400 uh, organizations across the Rochester, New York uh, landscape. And Represent. I spent yeah. 18 months actually learning payroll inside out and uh, benefits inside out and helping those businesses uh, get their employees paid. I love that because I think that often when you talk to different vendors, they may not have ever worked in human resources or worked in supporting human resources and, and employees before. So I love that that was actually the very start of your career. So you started out with a really solid understanding of all of the intricacies of the payroll process and of benefits, which yeah, the, obviously yeah. goes a long way in what you're doing and what Paychex provides. Yeah. And and one of the things I love most about my role today is being able to pick a, pick up the phone and call clients and have discussions with them about what's mm -hmm. working effectively for them and what keeps them up at night. And to have that strong foundation of uh, my first several years in the organization has really allowed me to stay current. And I really enjoy that. And entrepreneurs are exciting individuals, businesses that have been in business for 20, 30 years, they're all facing the same challenges, which is about retaining their employees, finding new employees, finding new work, getting access to capital, making sure that their employee engagement is where it needs to be. It's just a great career uh, to be candid. I love the HR field. I love being able to talk to businesses and figure out how we can build solutions that can help them focus on what matters to them. And it's really an exciting time in the field today. Yeah, it sure is, Tom. And it's 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 a dynamic one. It's complex, but it's also um, one that's changed a lot over your career, certainly our careers as well, where yeah. I can recall, Tom, uh, I was part of a different small business many years ago, but I would phone in my payroll to my paycheck yes. rep. I, I don't think yes. I spoke to you, Tom, but I spoke to someone who's doing that role. <laughs> and I, I remember doing it like every couple of weeks, right? And yeah, it was because this exactly was in the right. days before we had paycheck flex and we didn't have we didn't have online systems to do any of this right we were literally exactly. phoning it in yeah but uh good memories you know, there. guys one of the, as i was uh reflecting on what to talk about today one of the things that really started to come to mind is the technology that's available today and i think back, back to my very first year end at the uh in december of 1990 and we would take the better part of three weeks to produce w-2s and get them in the hands of employees and I'm coming to you today to say that we're communicating externally that our W-2s will be online on January 2nd. And Ooh. 30 years in the business, it just blows me away to actually be able to make a statement like that externally. And the implications that that has on individuals, people want to get access to their W-2. And for those that don't have complicated returns, get their return filed, figure out if they qualify for a refund and get the cash in their hands, which they deserve. And uh, to just sit here today and say, looking back 30 years ago to say, I, to ever be in a position to think January 2nd, when you log into Paychex Flex on your mobile app, you're going to have your W-2 sitting there and waiting for you. It's really just an unbelievably uh, incredible journey to look back on. That is quite pretty incredible, Tom. I saw that in the, in the notes before we started the show, and I thought, 
I thought maybe that's a typo. Like I didn't think that was <laughs> no. perhaps even possible, but thank you for yeah. uh, saying that and making sure I understand that it's not a typo as well. Uh, so Tom, to get ready though, to get yourself and your organization to that, say January 2nd date or whatever date it's going to be that you're, you're ready to, to, to get your W2s yeah. out there and to sort of start the new year. Um, what are some good recommendations that that you and the team at Paychex have put together and, and recommend folks just think about as we you know we got about a month to go before year end yes. uh, that folks should should be thinking about and, and then proactively doing yeah for for me it's always come down the month of December I like to position it as a time to ensure that your house is in order and to get your house in order there's really three areas that I always recommend that businesses focus on. The first is make sure that your business data is in order. The second is make sure that the data for all of your employees is in high quality and in order. And then the third is probably one that has emerged over the years because at year end, you have an amazing time to really reflect on the last 12 months and re-recruit your top talent or quite frankly, re-recruit your entire organization by giving them something of a, a rewards statement, something that's personalized to them. And uh, to me, Steve, it would start with really understanding your employee information. That's that's number one. Uh, and I, I always like to start there. And if we look back at what we've learned over the last three years through this COVID experience, there's a lot of policy changes that organizations have in, introduced. And that's really opened up some challenges for payroll and HR. Uh, quite frankly, being able to work remotely anywhere opens up and puts pressure on a business from a tax perspective. And you really need to ensure that your policies, your employee handbook, everything is really locked down to understand where is my employee working? Where do they live? Because that nexus is going to drive where you need to pay taxes. And quite honestly, we're still seeing a number of small businesses and medium-sized businesses that haven't really locked that down yet. And when I say lock it down, it's it's not making it uh, very complex. It's just saying, hey, Steve is actually residing here now. He moved. If Steve forgets to file the appropriate W-4 or state withholding information, you're going to be withholding taxes from the wrong place. He's going to be yeah. overpaid on one, underpaid on another. That's a big challenge. So I'd, I'd start there for sure. Yeah, I think too, I wonder if you see this, I mean, especially with more of the small and medium-sized businesses, um, you may not have all of the technology in place to easily monitor that. So if you're still a small business and you're trying to do this in Excel or trying to do it in a series of other documents or websites maybe that are just not connected, I think you put your business at risk. Could you talk a little bit about maybe how to lessen the risk? Because I don't know, again, that all small businesses not, might not be focused on that aspect of it as well. Yeah, I would say foundationally, I always recommend starting with a, a a solid employee handbook or a set of policy statements. And those to me are the blueprints of success for any business. If you start there, then you've got an opportunity from an HR perspective to have a common language. So it's never going to be something that, hey, that's new to me as an employee, or I, I didn't know that was our guiding principle or our policy. Writing it down, and you don't have to do this in uh, formal software. It's certainly easier to do if you use formal software, but you can get an employee handbook in place in, with technology today in short order. And no matter what size of your business or what size business you were running, having that handbook to me is 
most important. It's a foundational bedrock of any HR policy. And then from there, you can uh, really guide your organization to the North Star. What matters? What's important to the organization? What's appropriate and not appropriate? And then there's no surprises. So I would say that's my first recommendation on that, Trish. And when you're looking now and kind of heading into December, that policy, that handbook will drive the policy. Things like, are you carrying over vacation and time off? Are you given access to uh, volunteer days and do those carry over? Do you have an FSA in place and does that carry over? Uh, What's the benefit packages that are available to you? Do they vest on particular timeframes or or different um, annual uh, uh, award days? So if you kind of use that as your guiding North Star, uh, again, to me, for small businesses, that's a really strong recommendation. And then from, from all of that, you really need to start now looking back at your year and understanding, did I write any handwritten checks? Did I do anything off cycle? Do I have deductions like a personal use of a company vehicle that needs specific tax uh, calculation associated with it or group term life insurance or your 401k matches in order? All of that you want to make sure before you get to the end of December or that January 2nd W-2 is going to be need to be pulled back because there's going to be some modifications required. Tom, you eloquently talked about some of the internal organizational updates, policy changes, even compensation changes that might kick into effect with the beginning of the new year that an organization has to be ready for. And there's lots of of those things, right? And changes in in policies, procedures, and things like that. But there's also a lot of Mm -hmm. external right? Sure. Uh, requirements, right? That come down the yes. road for HR and payroll folks to to deal with. We, we can't go into like every last form you need to fill out and all those things, but maybe Tom, just share some thoughts around preparing or, or finding the right resources to prepare your organization for necessary filings, creating and uh, filling out the yes. proper forms and, and, and just the, the, the really kind of compliance related things that organizations need to, to have in mind and be ready for. Okay. I would say this year is another year where we're going to see a significant volume of minimum wage increases. So we are seeing those across the the local and the state level at unprecedented rates. Last year, it was even more than 20. We're in 20 this year. That's really important for a number of reasons. First of all, it starts with your first payroll in January. So you need to be there in order to be compliant. So I would say start there. And when we finish today, I'm going to talk about a website that we have stood up uh, for any business to leverage at paychecks.com. So you don't need to be a a client of paychecks to come and take advantage of the information that we're providing on that website. And we've set one up directly for your, for our listeners here today. Right. But I would start with their minimum wages, 20 of them. What's going to happen next with those? Does that create any type of wage compression issue and what's going to happen next with that? So be thinking about What is the implication of essentially introducing a new minimum wage across your organization? Next, I would say, think about the actual distribution dates of particular forms. Obviously, Form W-2 and W-3 need to hit the um, filing by the 31st of January. 940, 941s, all your state returns. Your 1099 uh, for contractors need to be there by January 31st. Those are all deadline-driven, nothing new. Now, we, we joke about it here at Paychex. Year end's going to happen. It's going to happen at the end of December. You're going to need to file by January 31st. And we talk about it every year on a round and round basis to figure out how we can get more efficient and effective. 
And then obviously your annual business tax returns, March 15th for partnerships, for LLCs, for S-Corps, April 15th for C-Corps. But we'll we'll lay those all out on the site that I'll give you mm -hmm. um, access to in, uh, when we finish this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so nice to have you kind of package everything that way for us, because I think that that's the, the thing when you're running your own business, you might be thinking, I can take care of this myself. I only have a handful of employees, um, yes. but you're not necessarily thinking because you're thinking about running your business itself, maybe in the product or service you're you're making or providing some of the things like wage compression. I mean, I made a note when you said that I you might think like, oh, I just need to worry about the. The minimum wage and not really be thinking about how many other people might be impacted if you don't make a change. So I do appreciate yes. that you're you're sort of making those additional reminders of things that people can be doing to make sure that there is equity, right, among the employees as well. And I think that the the, the federal government and the state governments are beginning to mandate on new job uh, postings the actual uh, wage values beginning to end, which is typically what we see is you see a range. And obviously that's for good reason, because there's going to be individuals that are in that range and there's a range created because there's always a, a different level of experience that is available in any job or role that a company has. And a company is going to establish the importance of that role, what they're willing to pay for that role. And then they're going to have different individuals that play in that. That's another one that's uh, really important when you think of wage compression. Minimum wage that affects a particular role could immediately put someone with less experience in the same category of someone who has a significant volume of experience. What are you going to do about that? Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, does that start changing employee engagement as you post a new job online and see that the range goes from A to B and you've got a, a, a very experienced person that's looking right now like they're being paid similar to someone with less experience. And is that what you want as the message as the employer to your employees? That's a, a statement that needs to be wrestled business to business. So I think that's a great example of some external pressure or external environment that is changing the way that HR professionals look at business today. Yeah, I agree. I've been listening to um, several different sources talking about how colleges, right, are now sort of promising certain starting salaries to different degree programs, and the students are going out and getting them, and it's shockingly high. So I think, yeah. too, if I'm an employer, I also want to be maybe touching base with some of the, you know, local universities and colleges to see what are some of the starting salaries, just to even prepare, because I know one of the things I know you'd love to share with us is to really start talking about planning for pay increases and bonuses in the coming yes. year. But I yes. think part of that also is thinking about what are, you know, recent college grads expecting and receiving as they take these yeah. new jobs and how that impacts that planning. Could you maybe talk a little bit about planning for the new year in general, and then maybe how looking at yeah. universities starting wages is going to impact that. Yeah. As you look at starting a new year, you have an opportunity to reset and many businesses use the calendar year as a cycle to determine what is the uh, uh, performance increase that we're going to budget for the calendar year. Is it going to start January 1? Are we going to do it on an anniversary basis? Each business is, mm -hmm. is different. But usually on a on a year to year basis, a business is sitting down and saying, "What are our budgets?" And you start with the budgets to determine what we have available to actually spend to drive 
the earnings that are going to be required to keep that business healthy and growing. And uh, some of the things that immediately come to mind is, okay, where where are we from an annual wage increase? And what do our wages look like in comparison to other businesses that are in our geography, the competitors that we're competing against in our industry or for the talent that we need to grow in our industry? Are you considering end of year bonuses as a way to take uh, an exceptional year and share the wealth with the employees? If so, how much are you allocating and how are you going to communicate that? And I, I just want to stop for a second because I think that really opens up an opportunity to do a couple of things. When you start talking about an end of year bonus, it's it might be something that someone's not accustomed to. And to be able to leverage that dialogue to say, hey, we had an exceptional year and every employee made a difference in us achieving our results. Here's an opportunity for you to share in that message, carefully understanding how not only you craft that message, but now you're into the technical execution of delivering a year-end bonus. How do you want to do that? With technology today, you can leverage real-time payments. You could you can run a separate payroll run, leverage real-time payments, pay someone in 15 seconds, and it will show up in their account. So think about the implications of that because there's some amazing implications to run it separately, but don't lose out on the opportunity to have that discussion with your employee and make sure that they know how much you appreciate what they've done. And then quite frankly, to me, it comes down to having a discussion that I like to term the total investment that we made in you or the total investment made in them. That's a much different dialogue than having a a total compensation discussion. Uh, And when I think of that, Trish, there's so many opportunities here. Uh, To me, I like to really sit down at the end of the year with my team and re-recruit them. And say, we had an amazing year and you were a big part of that. And here's what you accomplished over the course of the last 12 months. And to sit down and actually say, paychecks or the, this company has made this investment in you. Go into sales mode. And, and I, I try to preface it this way. We have great recruiters here at Paychecks, and they're talking about our company culture, what we do across the United States to build communities. A smaller, medium-sized business can do exactly the same thing. And to go back to sales mode with the folks that may have been with them for 30 years or for Mm -hmm. three years, 30 months or three months, and have a discussion that really sounds like that and really position, here was your total cash wages. You received a bonus this year. We sent you to training. We uh, introduced a set of training for you. We gave you volunteer day. Uh, Your company employer match for health insurance. Yeah, exactly. Health insurance, retirement contributions, right? Things like that. Right. Of course. Got it, Steve. Tom, that's a great point too, because I know Paychex, of course, publishes the Small Business Watch and and keeps your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the labor markets, particularly for small businesses. I'm a fan of that data as well. And we know both from the data as well as anecdotally, right? Most organizations are still you know, in that mode of, hey, we're, we're we're struggling to find the right people. We're struggling to retain yes. them. It's very, very important to retain them. You could go, I mean, every single day I read another story, whether it's a pharmacy, it's a, a firefighters, whether it's teachers, construction workers, first responders, right? It, it's all across the board of uh, of talent shortages and, and staffing yes. shortages all across this country. So 
you know, when you have those good people, those people who are helping your organization, uh, you know, thrive and serve customers, you, as you said, Tom, sitting down with them, taking a proactive opportunity to, to talk, yeah. use, use the technology, use the data that's available to you and really have that conversation because otherwise you could find yourself in really, really a pickle in 2024 because the talent's not, you know, the talent, it's not going to get easier. I guess I'll say it that no. way to find and, and retain talent. It certainly is not in re-recruiting that top talent and, and having that open dialogue to understand what matters to them. We're spending a lot of time here at Paychecks trying to understand the uh, the benefit offerings that would match a five-generational workforce. I mean, this is a really complicated time to run a business of any size. What matters to me at year 30 plus is much different than someone who's just coming from that local college that you described, Trish. Uh, but the benefits that are important to me don't match uh, all of the generations inside of that. We're really in a unique time. It puts pressure on HR to actually create a diverse package, but on the same token, it makes it exciting because that's what's fun to me about HR. You can't have HR without human, and the HR individual is the person who's coming in every day thinking about the team that's making a difference of that at that business. And when you look at the so many uh, so many different uh, uh, types of demographics that are in the workforce today, this is a fun time. It's a challenging time, but it's a fun time to be in the HR profession for sure. I think, Tom, that you are absolutely right. And when you give the, you were sort of doing a role play like of what you would say and what you could say, right, during these yeah. types of meetings and having real communication. So it's not just about sending out a total reward form, right? Exactly. Uh, there, there's no context around that. But I mean, what you're describing is really building a trusted relationship or extending a trusted relationship mm -hmm. with employees. And I think that when you're talking about that five generation span and what's important to me, that also opens up the fact that you might be your age talking to an HR leader who is 30, right? Yes. Who might not even be aware of what someone who's in their fifties want from a benefits That's package, right. right? But yet they are influencing or a decision maker in what the benefits plan looks like. So That's it's right. actually a way to help both sides, right? You help the people who are making those business decisions about what the benefits offerings are or how payroll is going to be handled, right? How salaries are going to be handled, but you're also getting added perspective from all the generations. And I think that I don't know if you've seen this in your career, but it feels like to me, we often look to see like right now, everyone's focused primarily on Gen Z, right? Mm -hmm. We always yes. focus on sort of the incoming. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I've ever worked anywhere where we really focus on sort of looking at every, every phase of a life cycle and what they yes. might need because having student debt is a little bit different than buying your first home, than having your children, than paying for college than paying for retirement, mm -hmm. right? So there's, it's such a wide array. Are you, are you seeing that your customers are having those kinds of conversations or is this something that they can also really be doing to improve that connection between the generations? I think there's no doubt that uh, any business can improve the, the dialogue that they're having around benefits. I'll start with that. I am talking to businesses though, that for the first time in my career, are looking at multi-generations and thinking about how do I have, as an example, a student loan repayment 
benefit. But if I offer a student loan repayment benefit, there's a number of folks that that's not going to apply to. But I need that in order to try to drive this generation of the workforce to my company and to be a differentiator. And then they're thinking on the other end of the spectrum to say, is there some type of benefit that we could put in place that would help a uh, a person who may be in, in their 40s or 50s that brings a f- and their parent into their home and needs to help them take care of them as they um, move towards the end of their life or the last phase of their life? Uh, those are very interesting dialogues. And it's, like I said, it's very exciting to actually be in a position to think creatively with something. And in, in many ways, what we found is that businesses sometimes think about what's it going to cost me to actually introduce that. And what we're seeing lately is that employees are actually equally excited if you do the homework for them, if you create a curated experience where you vetted some folks that are able to do uh, to provide services for one of these generations. If, if you've done that work and there's a tremendous trust in you as the HR professional there, that makes a big, big difference because let's face it, time is the one thing that you can never get enough of. And anything that you can do to try to streamline something for another person is is great. So really exciting, really, really exciting time. Good advice. I'm, I'm glad you talked about that, Tom, as, as well. You know, both this kind of idea of re-recruiting your, your, your talent and your people and communicating with them more openly around... Uh, Benefits offerings, the value of benefits, the role, you know, the role the organization can play in helping support people at various life stages, as Trish mentioned, because whereas we always position this as, hey, get ready for year end kind of a show. And it is right. Yeah. It's um, yeah. you've got W-2s, you've got forms and 1099s and all kinds of tax filings and paychecks will help you get through all of that. Don't worry. But there's so much more opportunity there for organizations as well beyond just the, as we like to say around here, H3, the bare minimum, right? If you just do that's the right. bare minimum, right, you can keep yeah. your company compliant and that's great and it's important, but there's so much more that you can do. And I think, Tom, you've you've been very, very um, uh, eloquent and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, inspirational as well to say, hey, don't just think about the forms and the filings and the processes, think about what you can do and what we can all do a little bit better for next year, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple of things too, that if I could just close with, it's interesting. One of the things that, that we do uh, daily is interact with the internal revenue service. And what's interesting is that they're putting out a free online tool this year in 13 States that they're piloting to uh, create basically a direct file program and it's free uh, through the IRS. So uh, there's a series of states that you can find on irs.gov backslash direct file. There's 13 states and it's uh, a very simple uh, form process to actually uh, create your taxes and file your taxes electronically for simple returns. It's designed Mm -hmm. for simple returns to make that really clear. Going back to those folks who are Uh, receiving their W-2 on January 2nd, if you're in one of these states, it might be something that's worthwhile to actually leverage the program and and see how that, see how that works. So it's interesting to see how things are, have come together and how much they've changed over the 30 years uh, since I started in this industry, for sure. Yeah. I love all of these resources for you, Tom. Like you're always, that's the one thing about this show every year is you bring the resources, right? So I love that people have things they can actually go out and do and take action on and feel 
not just informed, Steve, to your point. I mean, obviously part of the reason of the show is to help everyone feel informed, but also to feel a little bit in control. And so you can um, start really making a difference in your organization if you're, you know, feeling like you haven't been doing that maybe, um, or just looking for some new creative ideas. Yeah. Our, yeah, Tom, our, uh, go ahead, Steve. I'm sorry. You mentioned, Tom, we have Paychex has resources available. So let's get that URL out now. And we'll also make yeah. sure it's in the show notes too. So where can folks go to access uh, the resources and information, Tom, that you've been talking about? Go directly to paychex.com uh, forward slash A-W-I-A. So paychex.com. Yeah, I love it. At work in America. You got it. Yep. It's available there. It's available immediately. Take take the opportunity to go in. I think you'll find that we've spent a considerable amount of time trying to think through uh, everything from A to Z so that you have the opportunity to take advantage of that and leverage it no matter what size your business is. That's really the key. And, and I think that's probably the most important message from Paychex. We serve businesses from one to several thousand employees and no two businesses are the same. So we create tools and, and checklists and try to think about uh, things that would make a difference no matter how big or small you are. Uh, and again, we started the show by saying small and medium-sized businesses are what fuels the U.S. economy. And I, mm -hmm. I couldn't agree with that more. Absolutely. Great, great stuff. Uh Trish, uh, I, I love getting together with Tom, of course. We were lucky enough to see Tom and the team out at HR Tech a couple of months ago, where, mm -hmm. by the way, I'll have to share that as well. If you haven't had a chance to see the video that we did with uh, Tom's team and Nathan mm -hmm. uh, ran the video for us of some of the new tech uh, capabilities Paychex is rolling out, specifically around helping organizations make better decisions, right? And uh, have an insight exactly. in, and to make decisions around compensation and, and whether or not they're paying people fairly and competitively and all that and, and so much more, right? There's and, and having the ability to have those kinds of tools, why I brought it up, Tom, was not just because it was a cool video, which it was, was having that kind of insight and that kind of technology available to small and medium-sized business was I mean, that's a new thing, right? That that wasn't the case when we started our careers, right? You had to no. be a Fortune 100 company to have access to that kind of data and those kinds of tools. And now any size organization can have access to them. And certainly with the resources, both from the technology side and the information and support side that Paychex provides, small businesses can can be on a level competitive playing field with any other business in the country, right. which I think is pretty amazing too. Yeah. Exactly. I would also add that you might even be ahead of some of the large enterprise size companies because you know, since we are a small business as well, I obviously, when I'm out and about in the world, I ask employees of all different types about their payroll, about their benefits. How do they process that? How do they receive that? How do they feel about the information? I was actually in a, a hospital yesterday talking to some radiology workers. And so again, very large health system. They were saying they don't have a lot of these tools that I know I saw, not just in the video, Steve, but mm -hmm. in the paychecks booth. So I would encourage you if you're listening to this, please, please check out Paychex and Thank their you. solutions because there are many larger companies who do not have these type solutions in place. And from a recruiting standpoint, employees want this, right? So if you have access to it and you can make their ability to check their payroll and, and their benefits and make changes very easily and on their phone, 
you're going to be very I know. And we didn't. Tom mentioned Tom mentioned real time payments. I want to do like a, <laughs> my next video. I want to be about real time payments because I want to dive mm -hmm. into yes. that like in a, in a major way because it's so fascinating yeah. to me. But uh, look, we've talked you, a lot. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. That, that that is a fascinating. It's been fascinating to watch that. We were the first in the market to bring that to bear, and the businesses that actually come through and say, you know what, I missed someone. I want to pay them a bonus. I want to do it immediately. Mm -hmm. And probably what's most impactful is you can run real-time payments on weekends, on holidays, and off it goes. And literally in about 15 seconds, you've processed and you've moved the funds that an employee deserves to his or her account. That's a powerful, powerful tool. Mm -hmm. um, and you guys, we've talked about this many times. There's nothing worse than a Friday when you have an error on payroll. And then it yeah. feels like you're working all day to figure out how to fix it. Those days are gone. If you miss something, if you need to correct something, you can process a payroll in seconds. You can move the funds in seconds. And it's as if you, you didn't have that, that black mark on your record with that employee. And that's the most important part of this is to get that trust back fast. Yeah, for and sure. Tom, the other thing that provides is if you are the person processing that error or that that bonus or whatever the case may be, you're also giving that person back time with their family as well. That's because right. I've been the payroll person that's had to stay over and come in on a Saturday and try and manually fix things and and losing time with my family many no times that's happened right it's no fun so no it doubt. does it, it absolutely builds trust and credibility with your employee but it also really benefits the person who's either processing it or in charge of you know approving that and no I doubt literally cannot even imagine what that would have done to my life if i had had that <laughs> 10 years ago yeah no, we've really it's, just it's scratched huge. the surface of all the incredible yeah. uh opportunity that's out there for small businesses. But certainly we want to remind everybody again, go to paychecks.com slash AWIA. That's paychecks.com AWIA for year-end resources, uh, strategies, exactly. tips, re access to everything you need to know to get yourself ready for year-end and year-begin. Um, and we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Tom, great to see you again. It's our favorite show of the year. Uh, hope too. you're well and happy holidays early, but we, this will probably be our, our last phone uh, conversation before them. Uh, and good luck uh, getting everybody and the hundreds of thousands of Paychex clients ready for the new year. Thank you, Steve and Trish. And before I say goodbye, I just want to acknowledge and thank you for what you are doing for the HR profession, what you're doing Aww. week in and week out. Uh, to really uh, raise the game of the opportunity Perfect. to be an HR professional here. And much appreciated. Hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Tom. That was awesome. All right. Paychecks.com slash AWIA. Go to hrhappyhour.net for all our show archives. Trish, great to see you. And uh, this has been a great show. Uh, so I would say for you, for our guest, Tom Hammond, and all our friends at Paychecks and all our listeners, thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. And bye for now. <laughs>